You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Seven, Ecclesiastes chapter number seven. And uh, hope you've had a good week. We're going to get right into our Bible study tonight. Several things to cover. Let me ask you tonight, who could use a week of vacation right now? Anybody? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The rest of you are workaholics. All right. But uh, just tell your boss your pastor gave you the week off. Um, Just let him know, except for if you work for me. Um, It's double time this week. Double time for you. You make up for everybody else. This one here, fellas, get that lapel mic going. I don't know if that'll fly, though. You can try it with your boss, but just see. (laughs) Who? (laughs) All right. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter number seven. Anybody need a fill-in-the-blank sheet tonight? All right, right down here, Josh. Run, run. Okay. Anybody need a pen tonight? No? We're good? All right. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. If you want to fill in the title, I'm going to speak on tonight, The Beauty of Wisdom. The Beauty of Wisdom. And we've looked at uh, Solomon, of course, the theme for this, we said, is the emptiness of life without God. And uh, that cannot be emphasized enough, uh, because that is just a truth that it seems like we forget so often when we drift from the Lord or when we get into the world. We just forget that we are, we are cultivating emptiness in our lives when we get away from God, or when we get too much into the world. And uh, so I I love to reiterate that time and time again, that uh, the theme here is the emptiness of life without God. We've seen his thesis statement. We've seen him uh, set forth his arguments as to why he got to that place and why he thought that way. And then we've been in the past couple chapters here, just some random bits of knowledge that Solomon is giving us here and there. And uh, we saw last week some verses dealing with patience. And uh, we looked at some, uh, some uh, serious verses at the beginning of the chapter here of chapter 7. And, uh, and we saw contentment recently. So there's been a lot of different topics that he's hitting. But the verses tonight are going to give us some, some insight about wisdom and the beauty of it, why we need it, what it's good for. Let's read all the verses, and uh, let's do this tonight. I don't normally do responsive reading, but uh, I will read the odd verses. You read the even verses. So I'll read. We're going to start in verse 11. I'll read verse 11. You read verse 12. I'll read verse whatever's after 12, and you'll read verse 14. And so on till we get to verse 18. We'll read that together, okay? Some of you are like, Pastor, I didn't come to church to read the Bible. Why'd you come then? All right, no. But uh, you got your coffee, you're alert, you're awake, unless you got that sleepy time tea. If you got that, then just take a nap. But otherwise, let's read this here together. I'll read verse 11. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. Altogether, for wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? In the day...
All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? Wow, I see why people have the church read it. Sounds really nice up here having you all read the Bible. That was great. Let's pray together and we'll investigate what these verses are talking about. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to just tonight speak with us, uh, reveal some truth from your word, and may we honestly do some reflection upon what you're teaching us tonight. It's so easy to come to church, listen, be engaged to the message, but then when we leave not really continue to chew on it. But I pray that tonight, Lord, we would, we would honestly be thinking about it and, be, and, and reflect upon our own lives and how, what we can do to improve our walk with you in our Christian life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Fill in the first blank there, if you would, please. Verses 11 and 12 are talking about the benefits of wisdom. The benefits of wisdom. <clears throat> and so what I want you to do, let's look at verses 11 and 12 and see what it says here. Wisdom is good. Yeah, I like that. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, and by it there is profit to them that see the sun. So there is a profit, there's a benefit, for wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense, but the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So I want you to see, first of all, what are some benefits? Well, there's profit. There is profit to wisdom. The Bible says that in verse 11, there is a profit to them that see the sun. Wisdom is good with an inheritance. Now, what's an inheritance? It's something passed down to you. In Bible days, that was most of the time, almost always, referring to land. An inheritance was land. But you may get things passed down to you, but wisdom is necessary in order to maintain them or use them appropriately. So you may get an inheritance, but wisdom is good with an inheritance. Whatever you get passed down to you, you need wisdom to be able to apply it or manage it or use it correctly. So wisdom is good in that sense. There's profit to wisdom. Uh, We don't want to squander what has been given to us. But think about for a second what has been given to you. And you may say, well, pastor, nobody left me anything. Nobody's left me in their inheritance for anything. My grandfather passed away when I was in Bible college, and it was a sudden thing. He fell asleep at the wheel, uh, traveling back from uh, Texas to Arkansas, and he uh, just T-boned somebody. The other guy lived. My grandfather did not. But he always would say, we had a very special relationship, we, he taught me chess, and every time I'd go and spend time with him, we played chess for hours. He was a very good chess player. And, uh, and he, he would always say, I, he'd always tell my dad, I got something special for Eli when I die. I got something special for Eli. Just because we had a special relationship. Well, when he passed away, there was no inheritance. Now, the, 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 the going theory is that someone from the family stepped in and took it, whatever it was, because we, we got some kind of shady people in my family. I don't know if you have anybody in your family like that. Point to them. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we've got, uh, and so I never, I, I never know. And I hope the Lord shows me one day whatever it was, because I have no idea what the special thing was he was going to leave to me. But uh, that was the only inheritance I can think of that anyone's ever left me. But then I began to think, no, that's not true. I've been left quite a good inheritance. I come to a Baptist church. I read a Bible that's in my language that people fought and died for. 
I go to a church in a free country because people fought and died for it. I, you know, I get to hear the word of God. I get, I get uh, uh, you know, passed down through the years the preaching and teaching of the word of God. We have a rich inheritance. We really do. And so what is wisdom? why do we need wisdom? We need wisdom to be able to pass it along. Wisdom to be able to take the inheritance that was placed in our lap. My mom gave me an inheritance. She shared the gospel with me. That's the best inheritance a parent could leave a child. And uh, so I'm thankful for that, but I need wisdom to be able to pass that on. So the benefits of wisdom, there's profit to it, especially when it comes to passing things along. But look at verse number 12 there, and I know we're going quick. There's much more we could say about all these verses. For wisdom is a defense. The word defense actually, uh, it, it gives the, the meaning of a shadow. And it's saying like standing in the shadow of someone else. It's referring to a protection, a protection, defense or protection. Wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. So wisdom can be protective, and money can offer protection. Well, how so? well, there are certain things that money, that having enough money you can be protected by, right? You have enough money to own a house, so you're protected from the elements. You have enough money to buy food, so you are protected from hunger and starvation. You have enough money to buy clothing, so you're protected from the environment and weathering. So, you know, we have life insurance. We have house insurance. We have, we can pay for things, and, and money can be a protection. And, uh, and it says here uh, also, when it was referring to that, I, I think you could talk about corruption too. You know, you pay enough money to the right people, I mean, you're protected from lawsuits, you're protected from, we've seen Hollywood people all the time commit crimes and then not even get punished for it. Why? Because they have money. They have money. So there is a protection there. But what it's saying is this, wisdom can protect you better from trouble than money ever can. Wisdom can protect you better than money ever could. Wisdom is a defense and money is defense, but the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So let's look at the third part here, the provision of wisdom. The word there in verse 12 that says, but the excellency of knowledge. Now I took in my Bible, and I put at the bottom of my page there, verse 12, excellency equals gain or advantage. I like to define words in my Bible so when I read it, I can see what that word means. Because otherwise you're like, excellency, what's that talking about? It means gain or advantage. So it's saying here in verse number 12, the gain or advantage of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So there are advantages to wisdom. Would you write this in? Wisdom gives you life, money doesn't. See, wisdom can help you in adversity. And wisdom can help you in prosperity. Wisdom can help you whether you have money or not. Uh, riches don't prepare you for death, but wisdom does. Wisdom teaches you how to live life. L wisdom teaches you how to make the most out of life. Riches can't do that. Wisdom teaches you how to see life the right way, uh, to see it clearly. I'm going to turn back here just to Proverbs chapter 3. I think I left the references there on your sheet, but Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13, listen as it says this. Uh, it says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise, or the profit of it, is better than the merchandise, or profit of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou, hast, thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. So more profitable for your life is wisdom than money. See, we always think that money is the answer to everything. Well, if I just had more money, I wouldn't have all these problems. 
There's actually a phrase that people say, mo money, mo problems, okay? Well, it's not the answer. If I just said, now look, yeah, you could pay your car off. You could be in debt. You could be out of debt. You could buy that house. You could whatever. But that doesn't solve your problems because whatever it was that got you into a bad situation isn't cured just because you get money. So you, the wisdom, the wisdom there, the Bible says, is so much more valuable in how to live life than riches. So there are benefits to wisdom. Number two, as you write this in, I want you to see the basics of wisdom. The basics of wisdom. This is some ground floor wisdom I'm about to give you. Some ground floor stuff here. And uh, it's, it's just some truths that we need to understand about wisdom. Look at verse 13 and 14. Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? What's an application there? Would you write this in? You cannot fight God. Consider the work of God. Think about God's work. See it. For who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Can you undo something that God did? If God wants something straight, it's going to be straight. God wants something crooked, it's going to be crooked. So when God is trying to do a work in you or doing a work in your life or around you, don't fight him. Let him work. You hear a message and something is convicting your heart and something is working on you. You read the Bible and God is working on you. Don't, don't fight God in that. Give, give a yield to God. That's the thought is, is yield that to God. The, you, you can't fight against him. He told Paul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Because he said, I've chosen you, Paul. I've chosen you. I think about Job. At the end of Job, I've referenced it so many times. It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. When Job, you know, gets through all his discourse with his friends. And God just not so subtly reminds Job, hey, you don't know anything, Job. <laughs> you, you know, you weren't there when I founded the earth. And, and, and God will do what's right. Abraham said something to the effect of, shall not uh, the, uh, the God of all the earth do that which is right? Absolutely. So don't fight God. Warren Wearsby said, God balances our lives by giving us enough blessings to keep us happy and enough burdens to keep us humble. Mm, I like that. You cannot fight God. But look at verse 14. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. Hey, things are going great. What should I do? Rejoice. But in the day of prosperity, cry. No, consider. Consider. What's he saying? Learn something. Think of it. Why is God putting you through this? What can you learn from this? What should the reaction be? God also hath set the one over against the other. So there's going to be days of joy. There's going to be days of sorrow. Everybody's life. Everybody's life. There's going to be that. And, but to, to the end... For, for what reason? To the end that man should find nothing after him. What's that saying? He's saying there, now God is choosing that, hey, you're going to have days that are good. You're going to have days that are bad. Everybody has those days. But don't fight against that because realize that the, the, the end of that is so that you don't know what tomorrow's bringing. You don't know what's going to happen, what the future holds. How would you act differently if you knew that next week you're going to go through the biggest trial of your life? Would you want to go through it? No. You, and God says, look, you can't figure those things out. So here's the next thought. You cannot fight God, but next, you cannot figure out God. 
know, there's jokes about books, how to understand women. They're this thick and they're just blank. You know, just says good luck on the front cover. Like, you know, we have these things, we hear these jokes all the time. No offense, women. I didn't say that joke, okay? That's not, I didn't come up with that. But we, we hear those things like, oh, that's just impossible to understand or whatever. Uh, but there are, there is a mystery about the things of God. We always say God moves in mysterious ways, right? But the truth is, God just moves in ways that we have no idea what he's doing. Because he's the master weaver. He is not, he's not concerned, uh, he's not limited by May 3rd, 2023. He is looking however many years into the future and into years into the past. And, and we can't figure out God. That's what it's really saying here. And just about the time you think you've got figured out, uh, you've got God figured out, just about the time you think, oh, I understand why God's doing this, and that's how he's always going to do it. He changes the formula. And now you're back to square one. Why would he do that? He will do that so that you would, and this is on your sheet here, so that you would live a, constant, a life of constant faith. And a life of a constant pursuit of God. So that you don't ever think, oh, since I've got it all figured out, I don't need God. God knows you need him. He's not going to let you just figure everything out. You know, uh, we heard recently that uh, up at uh, another church nearby, they were praying for vans for their church. And, uh, and this, the pastor said, well, I'm just praying that, that someone will give us some vans. And then, like, some company in their city gave them two vans. He said, are you happy about it? Yeah, I'm thrilled. But I want it to happen to us. I'm so jealous. But you know what happens to us? No, I am happy for them. But we want that. We want some vans here. You know, I think it'd be great. Especially all the laws about buses nowadays. But I began to think, well, I should just do the same thing. But you know what? It's not going to work the same way. I'm not saying God can't do it. God could have, he could just prove me wrong. And tomorrow... Five new buses show up. Hey, or a new van. Someone's donating. You know, I, I, and I would just gladly be wrong about that. But what I've learned is that is it, there's no formula. You know, add this plus this, and you always get this. No, God, God doesn't do do things the same way. So that we'll pursue Him, so that we will live a life of faith and just trusting Him. And it also shows us that God isn't boxed into one solution. Oh, that's taken away so God can do it. God is more creative than you. God is more creative than me. And so if you say there's no way out of the solution, you haven't seen it from God's perspective. Because he knows ways around things and through things. He can do the impossible. He can change the whole situation with a snap of his fingers. And so he's, he, he is pushing us on to live a life of faith, to live a life of pursuit of him. I remember when I was trying to hire staff for a couple of years, trying to get a youth pastor in here and trying to do these different things. And it would just seem like every time it made sense, it didn't work. Every time. Every time we're like, you know what? Hey, this kind of makes sense. This could happen. And uh, this is opening up. And there's an apartment for rent here. I mean, it's just all working out. It never works that way. That's what I've learned. And so I, I'm, not, I'm no longer like, hey, you know, this is absolutely what God is going to do. I just say, Lord, you just do it. I'm just going to try to trust you to the whole thing. But that, it, you can't figure out God. Now, some of you, that may bother you. I want to plan things. I want to know ABC what God's going to do. I got news for you. He's not going to tell you. <laughs> 
what you're going to have to do is it's going to take more work for you to live by faith. To live by faith and just say, you know what? God, I don't have to see tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. But I know who holds tomorrow. You can walk and, and hold his hand, right? So, the, so basic ground level Christianity says, I can't fight God. Basic wisdom, I can't fight God. And you know what? I can't figure him out. I can't trace his hand, but I can trust his heart. That's what I'm going to do today. And then last, I want you to see the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. I'm going to try to finish this up and get this in here while we have just a few more minutes here. Look at verse 15, if you would. All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. What's he saying? He would say, been there, done that. I've seen it all. There is a just man or righteous man that perisheth in his righteousness. And there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in wickedness. What's he saying? He said, I've seen righteous people die young and I've seen wicked people live a long life of wickedness. You know, the psalmist complained about that, didn't he? Psalm 73. You know, why is it that the wicked are living and prospering and the righteous suffer? Well, Solomon had seen it all too. Verse 16. Now, verse 16 and 17, boy, I probably should have cut this off and just preached it next week. But these are two very misunderstood verses. Look what it says. It says, be not righteous overmuch, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldst thou destroy thyself? Be not overmuch wicked. And so a lot of people misinterpret this to mean you shouldn't be too righteous or too wicked. You can be a little wicked. And you can be a little righteous, but just kind of be in the middle there. Be in the mean. Be in the, in, in the, uh, the middle there. Don't be, too, don't be so spiritual. Come on. You know those really spiritual people that, like, talk about God all the time? Don't be that. But don't be wicked either. Don't be, you know, the, uh, whatever, those people that you want to describe as wicked. That's not, that's not what it's saying here, okay? If you'll write some things in. Be not righteous over much. What he's saying is this. Don't go beyond what real righteousness is into, here's the word, self-righteousness. Overmuch righteous. You, 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 have been, you have gone beyond what true righteousness is. And now you have become self-righteous. You have added to righteousness. You have become arrogant with wisdom. Uh, that's why it says there, uh, make thyself overwise, you know. You, you become arrogant with your wisdom. And some other Bible verses back this up. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then verse 16 says, be not wise in your own conceit. So don't lift yourself up and, and I am so righteous and wise. Don't do that. Proverbs 3, 7, Solomon said, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. The Pharisees were self-righteous. The Pharisees would take the law and just add to it. They were over much righteous. They were not true righteousness. They were self-righteous. They would take what the law said and they'd add their own laws to the laws, building up these ridiculous laws on top of God's law. Why? Because they were trying to be super spiritual. They were trying to be over much righteous. They went beyond what the law even said. Now we do know, verse 20 of the chapter that we're in here, says there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So Solomon had a correct understanding. He wasn't saying, don't be too righteous. He said, no, nobody can be righteous. It's, it's, God, it's Christ's righteousness that we need. Okay, So don't be self-righteous. Verse 17, it's, it's, it's not saying 
Again, be a little righteous and be a little wicked. Do not be, be not over much wicked. What it's saying is, if you write this in, don't be foolish enough to live a wicked life. Fools are cut off from the earth and die early. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? So look, there are parts of you you can't help. We have a flesh, a fallen nature. There is wickedness in that flesh. But don't go beyond that. Don't feed the flesh. Don't live a wicked life. Don't go into, into that sin. Stay away from it. Be not over much wicked. Look, you already have too much in you. Don't go into that. So he's, he's saying don't be self-righteous but, and don't give in to sin. Don't, don't become someone living that way. One commentator said, the right life walks the path between two extremes. Shunning self-righteousness, but not allowing one's native wickedness to run its own course. I think that's, that's a good uh, understanding of what the verse is saying. And then lastly, verse 18. I know I'm moving quick here, but we just got a couple minutes, so I want to make sure I get through these verses. Verse 18 says this. It is good that thou shouldest take hold of this. What's that mean? He's saying, it's good that you learn this. Listen here. This is what he's saying. Yea, also from this withdraw not thine hand. Hey, hey, stay with this thing. Keep learning. It's good that you understand this. For he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. What's that mean? He that feareth God shall come forth of them all. He that feareth God shall come forth. It is, uh, the, the, the wording there is referring to escaping. He shall come forth. He shall escape of them all. Of what things? Self-righteousness and living a life of wickedness in your flesh. He's saying, what's the answer? What's the answer to, to escaping both the right self-righteousness and the, the, the wickedness that we already battle in our flesh? What's the answer? The answer is the fear of God. You see that? He that feareth God shall come forth of them all. The answer is the fear of God. The, the Bible says in Proverbs 1, 7, Solomon said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's why I put on their, on their sheet there, the beginning of wisdom. That's what this point is, the beginning of wisdom. Where, is the, where does wisdom start in your life? Does it start with a book? Does it start with you opening up, you know, a, a, a podcast and listening to it? Wisdom starts when you begin to fear God. That's where it begins. That's where the knowledge and understanding. But it says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So would you write this in? There's two blanks left here. Wisdom starts with a healthy awe and reverence for the Lord. I want to be wise then you need to have a holy reverence for God. You need to understand that the holy God of the universe watches you, sees you. And that ought to cause a little bit of fear. But you also ought to look at, uh, uh, around you and see the sun, the moon, the stars and say, my God, how great thou art. There ought to be some awe, some majesty. There ought to be some uh, reverence for a holy God. One of the biggest mistakes we make in, in, in American Christianity is that we bring God to our level. Read the Bible. That never happened in Scripture. They, pe people were trying to get 
to God, not bringing God down. Now, Jesus condescended. He came to earth and endured the contradiction of sinners and died on the cross for our sins. But what happened after that? Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, uh, uh, all knees about things of heaven and things uh, and earth and things under the earth. So, so he's been lifted up, and, and we are to lift up towards God, not, not bring God down to our level, to our sinful level. No, no, no. God is holy. God is sinless. God is pure. God is untouched by the, the sins of this world and earth. And it ought to cause us to say, first of all, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. But secondly, wow, what a great God. There should be a woe, and there should be a wow of the awesome reverence of God. So the, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is fearing God. Not like he's going to, you know, uh, like a dog is beaten in, into submission, you know. No, but a fear of, hey, he sees me. I feared my dad. I, rev- I respected my dad. But I also was afraid of that switch. And God's got a bigger switch than my dad did. So we got to be careful understanding that, hey, look, God's not just looking to punish you. But because he is a father that loves you, he scourges every, every son that he uh, corrected, he, that he loves. So we have to understand there should be a healthy reverence for God. So what I want you to do as we dismiss is I want you to honestly go home and think about and answer these questions. Just answer these questions right on your sheet if you want to. First of all, do you pray daily for God's wisdom? Then secondly, is there an area where you are fighting God? Where, where you are not allowing God to do what he wants to do. The last blank there. Is there any frustration with trying to figure out God in your life? And maybe you've been asking God that three-letter word, why. I don't think it's wrong to ask that as long as you're not demanding an answer. And then lastly, do you cultivate a healthy awe and reverence for the Lord? I, you know, and you may just go through there and say, no, no, yes, no, or whatever, but... I think it's good to answer some questions and begin to think about it. This is a Bible study. So let's, let's look at the scriptures and then let's apply it and say, hey, how can I be better about this? Father, thank you so much for today. I pray you bless your people. I pray that you'd help us tonight, uh, Lord, to not just forget about the message, but to remember.